All right, so I have to give a little bit of review because this is the time of year when, believe it or not, people come and go and they miss weeks, and, and, and this series builds on one week after the other. So we've said, hey, we're talking about extreme influence, and we've said through the whole thing that it's human nature to desire to influence others. I'm convinced that almost everybody, maybe there's a couple exceptions, want to make a difference, want to influence other people, at least certain other people, loved ones, that kind of thing in in their lives. I think there's very few people who actually are born and go, you know what I want to do? I just want to consume. I want to spend, make money. I want to be, I'm just a narcissist from going. I I don't care about anybody. That's a very few and far between. And it's, it's actually a clinical condition if that's you. So um, come talk to me. We'll get you some help if that's you. But but it's human nature because I think God wired us up for it. And whenever I say it's human nature, that's code for God made us that way. We said that this desire to influence others is so obvious in certain professions, right? It's the people who are teaching and, and coaching and leaders and counselors. They're, they're all in it for influence. You know, yeah, they, they get paid, but Probably there's other ways they can make more money, at least most of them. We said it's especially true once you become a parent. You know, that, wow, my kid, I'm responsible. I want to influence my child. I want to train them in the way they should go. I want them to help become the person that God made them to be. And, of course, church leaders, it's, we talked about this last week, it's a position of influence, and we have to be very, very careful and responsible, but, but it's a privilege. And, and it's part of what, what our goal is to help people become who they're, who they're designed to be by God. Right. And then we said from the very first message, we said the starting place of all this influence is, is always love. That if, if you're not going to love the people, then trying to influence them, it really just becomes manipulation, right? Or a desire to control them. But, but love is what makes it holy, and love is what makes it um, receivable. When you know someone cares about you, you open your life up to them a little bit more. The foundation is there. Paul said it, and we talked about it in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. It's just, he just said, hey, if I could speak in the, in the languages of angels or all the languages of the earth, I would have that kind of eloquence. But I didn't love, I would just be a clanging symbol. You know, and, and, and all the noise of everything else would drown out anything I have to say to anyone if it's without love. And last week we said, you know, love is, is indispensable, but it's not enough. It's the foundation, but it's not enough. So last week we said, hey, there's a second requirement for influence. It's integrity, which means um, it's moral stuff. It's, it's, it's character, right? It's who you are and being the same person no matter where you are. And it's uh, C.S. Lewis, we said, said who we are when no one is looking. That defines character. And we talked about, because when there's integrity, then, then we can trust. And, and we talked about last week, I said, hey, does anybody have any trust regret? And I, I, I knew the question. Candidly, I didn't understand the power of the question. The, the power of that question, because all of us went back to a place, and for some of us it was pretty deep regret that we trusted someone, and we have scar tissue from that. And, and I didn't mean to be callous about it, but accidentally I opened up some of those wounds and some of you have been processing some of that stuff this, this past week. But character, if, they don't, if there's not character, who would want to trust you? And they don't trust you, who's going to open your, their hearts to you and their lives to you or to me for influence? Now, there's a difference between, um, let me see if I can do this right, it, being character and having integrity, I guess what I want to say is this, influence does not require being liked. 
right? We're not doing these things so people necessarily like us. And it's weird because you would think it would. You'd think, well, we've got to love and we've got to have this character so people like us and then they'll open their hearts up to us. Well, they might like you, they might not. One of the people that had an influence in my life and he, he, he never knew it, never would I let him know it, right? It was my band teacher in junior high, Mr. Lewis, right? And, um, and he was one of my hardest teachers because I have no musical gifts whatsoever. But yet he, I was in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade with this with this man in the band playing a quarter of a bar- of a of a, tr- of a of a what's a tuba, which is actually like a baritone. It's only one fourth the size. I didn't think a tuba made any sense at all. So he was he was that. We're going to talk more about him in a moment. But I didn't. I really didn't like him. Right. But I respected him. I respected what he did. And and influence is a dependent of respect. Trust is a dependent of respect. So tonight we're going to talk about the third requirement for influence. And, and the original title was, it's called Going Out of My Way. Right? That if we're going to influence other people, we're going to have to go out of our ways. And then I thought of a shorter, quicker way of saying it. So the third requirement of influence is inconvenience. Inconvenience. So it's, it's as bad as it sounds. Right? It means that if I'm going to influence other people, it's going to cost me something, and I'm going to be inconvenienced by doing it. And Paul goes, you know, let me give you the ultimate example of that from Scripture. Right? Paul goes in Philippians, he says, hey, church, because he's writing to a church, if we're going to be involved in this influence with God thing, this mission that Christ has invited us to be a part of what he's doing in this world, then we've got to change how we approach the world. And he says this, he goes, number five, he goes, verse five of chapter two, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Come on, church, if we're going to follow Jesus, then we're going to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he, was not, though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. What's he saying? He's saying though he was, he was God in full, he didn't just stay there. Whatever there is, we don't even understand what he's talking about here, except that wherever he was before he came as a baby in flesh, he, he didn't just stay there. He didn't need to do anything. He wasn't hurting to do anything. But he didn't hold on to that position. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, his, his place. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. We, we call it, he put on skin. He put on flesh. He became, he became one of us. He left the heavenly reality and he entered in the flesh, in this earthly reality that we, that we all experience, we're experiencing right now. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Well, let me ask you this. Can you think of anything more inconvenient than leaving heaven as God and putting on flesh of man? and then dying on a cross. Is, is there any more going out of my way that you can think of than what Christ did for us? When you look at the cross, maybe there's a whole new, no, new way of thinking of it. When you see a cross, maybe it's starting to think of, look how inconvenient. That, that's a symbol of incredible inconvenience. That's a symbol of going way out of his way. And the only reason he could did it is because of his love for us. He loved us so much that he put on the cross. He told his followers that he was going to do it. Luke 9, 22 and 23, he said, the Son of Man, referring to himself, must suffer many terrible things. 
he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. In other words, these godly men who were supposed to draw people to God, when God himself is in front of him, them, they're going to reject him. And he's going to suffer many terrible things. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. So when I picture Jesus telling this to the disciples, I picture it would be like this. He will be, you, I know you can read ahead, but pretend you can't. And he will be killed. And then I picture a long pause. A very uncomfortable pause. And then, but on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. And then, there's another pause. And he turns to the crowd. And he said, if, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Talk about inconvenient. Take up your cross daily, a symbol of inconvenience, going out of your way, and follow me. So the basic invitation is to all of us today is Jesus invites us to influence this world with him, but he tells us from the beginning it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to require picking up your own cross with, and, and going out of your own way for the sake of others in order to love and influence and be a part of their lives. And in case you forget what the influence mission is, we talked about this in the very first uh, message, but he makes it very clear in Matthew 8, 28, 18 through 20. This is after the resurrection, and he's talking to the disciples, and it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. They didn't disagree. The man just came back from the dead. Looks like that's true. You've got a lot of authority. Anybody who can come back from the dead and tell us you're going to do it, and do it. That's amazing. Therefore, he says, therefore, go and make disciples, which, which I think is a combination of believers and followers. I think, I think disciple is such a great word, but it means people who believe and who follow. Sometimes we get one or the other, it almost feels like. Right? People who believe and, and people who follow. Make disciples of all nations, all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new believers and followers, these disciples, to obey all the commandments I've given you. And you can be sure of this. I'm with you always. I know it's going to be inconvenient. I know it's going to be taking your own cross, but I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of this age. I'm not sure what the end of this age means, but I know what the end of their age was because they all died. And someday I'll come to the end of my age. I'll stop aging. And I'll die. Right? So to be sure, this, I'm going to be with you through this whole mission of influence. Right? So Jesus invites us to this to this influence mission with him. And when he says, go, it's inconvenient. Isn't it always inconvenient to go? You know, when you, you got to go to work. It's inconvenient. i got to go shopping. It's inconvenient. i got to go and influence the world for Christ. I'm telling you, it's inconvenient. It's going out of your way. It's going to be a, some sacrifice involved. So let me just ask you a question. We've asked this question every single time, and some of you can remember who it was. I want you to think of someone who's had a great influence in your life, a positive influence in your life. Right? You got that person in your mind? Okay, now we're going to participate. I want you to whisper it. Tell, tell someone next to you. You can talk out loud. Tell someone next to you who that person is. Mark is set. Go. Talk. Tell who it is. There should be a holy buzz in the room. What's your favorite pizza? That kind of thing. No. You guys aren't talking. There's a problem here. I can see that. All right. All right. You with me? Whoever it was, they paid a price. 
whoever it was that had a positive influence in your life, they paid a price for you. They did. They paid a price because investing in us, any of us, wasn't always convenient. So I started thinking about people that I look back in my life and who, who has influenced me. And, and then I started wondering about the price they paid. And it's funny because you don't think about it at the time. You don't think, oh, this person's paying a price to influence me. It's hindsight. Oh, they influenced me. What price did they pay to do that? That's kind of how it works. So one of the people was a camp counselor. And it wasn't just one. I grew up going to this camp in Canada, up in Canada, on an island, Lake of the Woods, every summer for a month. My parents didn't really love us that much. We had to go up there, right? So we're there, and I had these, these camp counselors. And, and later on, I mean, I never thought much of it. I thought, camp is great, camp is fun, love being at camp, you know, canoeing and swimming and camping and learning canoe trips and all this kind of stuff up, up in that whole area, and it was just a ball, right? And I thought, and the camp counselor, how lucky is he? He gets to be here with us. They didn't pay anything to be a part of this. I didn't know if they were getting paid or not because I was just a kid. I didn't care, but they got to be with us. And, I, and I, it wasn't until I became a camp counselor that I realized, you know what? Those people gave a lot away. Right? I mean, these, anywhere from 45 years old to 21 years old, that was kind of the range of these counselors that, that we went through. <laughs> that, that we had to keep on getting new ones. No, they were good. Right? Here's what they gave away when I, I they gave, he gave away a summer. He gave away his sleep. He gave away his comfort. He gave away good food. I mean, it was camp, you know. He gave away the chance to make, I'm sure, more money because when I became a counselor, I found out they didn't get paid. Right? They gave away time with their family and time with their own friends. To be in an island with a bunch of 8 to 15-year-olds for a month. All right, I mean, there's, there's so many adventures that took place and so many bad moments for the counselors, you know, that you just go, they paid a heavy price. But they also earned to speak into my life. Why would I have become a counselor later on? I can tell you why. It's because of how impressed I was with the people who counseled me. I wanted to be like them. And so I stepped up into that responsibility and that opportunity to influence other people and, and, and give back to it. So I already told you another person is my band teacher in junior high. I've shared with you freely that I have no talent and no, I'm not wired for music. My wife says, please don't clap. If people look at you <laughs> and follow your example, you're, it's, it's over, right? And, and so I started thinking about Mr. Lewis Poor, poor, poor Mr. Lewis, right? And, it, and let's just think about what he did. This is a guy probably, when I knew him, he looked really old, but probably in his 40s. Hey, to a junior high kid, middle school, for those of you who don't know what junior high is, right? Um, he chose to teach junior high students music. You know, I, I don't think we can appreciate the pain. <laughs> Rebecca can, maybe. <laughs> Dan Mansfield knows it. He, he's got it down. These are two music teachers in this world that we have in our, in our room here. So let me just tell you what this worked with. He sat in a five-by-five five room 
with kid after kid after kid so that we could play what we've been practicing for him one-on-one, right? For a half hour every Wednesday, my most dreaded day of the week. (laughs) Mr. Lewis and me right across from each other, me with the baritone, and he said, well, play what you practice. And I said, well, we're done then. <laughs> and he goes, well, it shows, Doug. And I go, yeah, I know. And then he'd shake his head. And he goes, you know, Doug, let's just put music to the side for a minute. And he, you have so much potential. Are you going to screw around your whole life? I remember him saying this to me. I wasn't very happy about it. Right? But on the other hand, he kind of earned it to, to say that to me. And there was a point where I thought, Mr. Lewis, right? Am I going to just screw up my whole life like this and take things as casually as I am? I felt so bad for him. Think about his life. He listened to us play music. <laughs> Not just in the practices, but then we'd all come together and we'd sound, I'm sure we sounded so much better when we were all together. Have you been to a junior high band concert? (laughs) My kids are in music. They know I hated it. (laughs) I was like, let's go. And I go, okay, wait a minute. Tell me the order. When do you play and how many songs? (laughs) Because if you time this thing out right, you can come in, sit down, look like, wait, here's the beauty. Because the group right in front of you, there's a couple of dads that are going to leave. Right? When their kid is done, then you slip and you take their chair. I've been here all night. You know, and, oh, you were awesome. All right. He gave me time I didn't even want. I, like I said, I hated those Wednesdays. Wednesdays was judgment day. And it was painful. But I think he really did influence me. Let me give you another pair. This is probably everybody in the room could say this. My parents. You know, my parents were a very positive influence to me. And I thought, well, what did they do right? Right? And I, and I came up with some stuff. Um, they gave us time. They played games with us. This is pre-computer, so no competition. They answered questions. They allowed us to ask questions. They allowed us to think. They allowed us to argue and make mistakes. They disciplined us. They respected us. They were available to us. I mean, my, my mom and my dad, didn't matter how old you were, you could still go in the room and crawl into bed with them. Right? How cool is that? And then you could have conversations about everything in life, and nothing was off-limits to talk about. Huge influence in my life. I know all parents are, but all parents, my parents did a really, really good job and, and, and despite imperfect circumstances. Not everything was always great, and you've heard those other stories sometimes too around here. But, so not the perfect family, but still, they did a really good job. My grandparents, my grandparents lived 15 hours away. My grandparents were so influential in my life. Now think about this. They only came for two-week visits like once a year. How do, you get, how do you get to be such an influence if you only see them so little? We didn't see them often, but my siblings would all say it. Oh, they, they were so influential. And, and I know what happened with them. By the way, if you're a grandparent, you need to pay attention to this next part because it's going to coach you on how to be a great-grandparent. Not, not like older great-grandparent, just like a really good grandparent, Right? My grandparents loved. I knew it to my toes. They had integrity, so I gave them respect. 
I really never saw real bad moments with my grandparents. I'm not saying I never saw them have silly arguments. Of course I did. That's what grandparents do. They have the same argument (laughs) over and over and over again. And they gave as much exposure, as much time to us as they could. So when they came for two weeks, my parents usually left 14 days or so, my parents would leave for two weeks. Right? So it was just us and them. When we went up to Toronto to visit them, they would cancel. I didn't realize it as a kid. It's kind of like the camp council. I didn't know what they did. They canceled everything so they could spend time with us, their grandchildren, on adventures and doing things. And, and you know, my grandmother was crazy. When she was 80, she was doing yoga before anybody was doing yoga. She and Jack LaLanne had a special relationship, you know, of exercising. Amazing woman. And they loved God and they loved us. And they were fun and they were serious. But the three things that made the influence was I knew they loved me. I, they had integrity. They weren't different people when I wasn't watching. They, didn't, they weren't doing stuff that would discredit God and discredit their own lives. They had character and moral fiber. And they poured their hearts. They were, they were transparent, and they took as much time as they possibly could with us. We didn't get a lot of time like my cousins probably did, but I never took them for granted either. Right? Now, hidden in that is the ultimate formula. Influence is equal to love that we talked about times respect times exposure time together so if you put zero next to one of those it screws up the whole equation i'm not sure there is a zero i think it may go straight to negative numbers right so if you have parents who did not love you they still influenced you but it was with a negative it hurt right if you had if you had someone in your life who was in a position to influence you, but they were duplicitous and they were heavy drinkers and they were, you know, doing things that betraying each other, all kinds, that kind of yucky stuff, lost their temper and got physical, couldn't be trusted, then that's a negative number. And that'll give you a negative influence in your life. And if you didn't get the time with them, they, they loved you, but it's, it's not going to work. Now, any of those things being really huge can, can make a huge, huge impact. So that's the, the parents have this incredible exposure. Hopefully they follow through on the, on the love and the quality of their life so they're trustworthy. If they don't, it'll really, really hurt you. Grandparents have an incredible opportunity. But can I just tell you, I've seen grandparents that don't step up into it. I've seen grandparents who go, well, this is my time. It's not my fault you had children. I told you not to. After you, I said, do not do my mistake. And then I prayed for you to have the kid just like you. And look at this. And so they don't invest. You You are so positioned to make such a huge impact. Let's talk about church. Small group leaders. If you're leading a small group, you've been entrusted with influence. But I will tell you, it's going to ride on how people in your small group, do they sense that you love them or you're just doing something for church and it's another meeting you don't really want to be at? Are you living a life that's worthy of respect? Are you guarding your own integrity? We gave out cards last week with questions to ask yourself. Are you making time for your small group? Or are you going, well, if they're not all going to show up, why should we do it anymore? I mean, it's 
this is a hard job to be a small group leader. It's like being a camp counselor. There's things, it's going to be inconvenient. It means you have to go out of your way. People who work in children's and youth ministries. Let me kind of flip the coin here just a little bit. This is why we look for people who love kids. We don't want, if you don't like kids, love kids, we don't want you doing that job, right? We look for people who have integrity. It matters. You're going to be the role models. It matters for everybody, but, but especially at this age of, of great vulnerability. And then we, we ask for time. You all know the heroes are in the room right now? I'll tell you some of the heroes. The adults, youth workers who are going to Mexico with those kids are going to spend, what is it, two weeks with them? Close to it? Ten days. days. Oh, okay. We wouldn't want to stay one minute longer, would we, Doug? Ten days, not two weeks. (laughs) Every time they go on a retreat, every time they take a mission trip, they are pouring their lives in at great exposure. If if, if they just came every other week to, to the program, it's why in, in children's ministry, the heroes, I, I mean, it's great. I know we're, we're going to make it work for you. If you can only come every three weeks, fine. But you want to know what I want? I want you to be there every single week. I know this doesn't work for everybody. I would love to see our children's workers be there every single week so the kids come in and they go, I know you. You love me. You have integrity. I respect you. You're influencing me. And I can't say these things out loud because I'm just a kid. But that's what's happening. You know, so, so if we really want to change people's lives and starting with our own and our own families and our own church family, we've got to kind of think through what we're doing. And some of us, I love you, some of us got to go, I'm not going to do that wrong thing that I want to do because it would be a lack of integrity. I think it would bring me joy, but I'm going to do it God's way, not this way, because I would hate to lose my opportunity to be the influence. Or worse yet, I'd hate to be a negative influence. to be an influence to my neighbors um, or people far from God. And I'm not saying it's the same thing, all cases. You know, i got a variety of neighbors, right? It requires getting out of, <laughs> go, go connect, go talk to. When Lori and I go up and walks up and down our, our road, the other day there was a guy out in his garage and I go, Lori, let's go talk to him. And she said, no. So I'm throwing her under the bus right now. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> But it was a guy, and she goes, I don't want to do it. And I go, I'm going over there. So I went and talked to him and chatted with him, and I'm planning on inviting him to the concert or the, the, the barbecue that night. I might invite my whole street, so you guys, you know, behave yourselves at my neighborhood. <laughs> right? But when we lived in our old neighborhood, there was a point of crisis where Lori said, hey, name the neighbors. I didn't know any of my neighbors. We lived in a cul-de-sac. There weren't that many. Some of you know this because you've been in, in, a, in, a, in the class. I had to reinvent myself and how I was going to care about other people on my street instead of just doing my church job. But if I want to reach my neighborhood, they got to be. They, I have to authentically love. I can't manufacture it. I have to love. I have to live a life that's worthy of some degree of respect. I'm trying. And I have to open up my heart, my life, and my time to them. That's that's the way it works. Do you have to pray? Of course you've got to pray, but you can pray all you want. You don't do these three things, it's not going to happen. Because without love, our voice can't be heard. Too much clanging cymbals. 
and influence is lost. And without integrity, there won't be respect. There won't be trust, and influence is lost. And without exposure, love and integrity are unknowns. <laughs> I mean, if, you're not, if you don't give people time, how are they ever going to know that you care about them or what kind of integrity you have? So I was thinking about the sphere of influences that we have, and I, I showed you this in a different format before, but there are people that are unknown to us. There are people I don't even like. There are others, there are neighbors, coworkers, students. Some of this overlaps, by the way. Um, family, of course, and friends, right? So those are kind of the people in, in, in my life, probably the same thing you could be saying, that works for me too, right? And then there's this. Anybody know what that is? That's me in my comfort zone, right? Some of my family members get to be in my comfort zone. <laughs> Some of my friends get to be in it. Maybe a few other neighbors and coworkers. That's my comfort zone. And the black part, the black part is a sea of inconvenience. And if I'm going to go be an influence in anywhere outside of my comfort zone, the moment I step out, it's what? Inconvenient, uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Right? So to get to know our neighbors in, the, in our old neighborhood, Lori and I, I'm, I'm, what are we going to do? Because we don't know them. and So we started taking walks at night around the block because the neighbors would sit in the middle of our cul-de-sac with a, with a fire going and passing peanuts and drinking beer together. And so we would walk up around them and the first time they didn't even say anything to us. The next time it's like, Oh, hi, you guys are Doug and Laurie. Yeah, Doug and Laurie, nice. We've lived there for three years. Hey, nice to see you, right? The next time we, we did, hey, you want to sit down, want a beer, want to have peanuts with us? Hey, Doug, you want to come play poker with us? Laurie, you want to go to Bunko with us? It's women gambling stuff. And um, <laughs> that's what Bunko is, right? Do you know how hard that was to do? To leave our comfort zone and just get... And now we have deep friendships with a lot of those people still, even though we've moved away. Some of them have come to church. Some of them haven't. Some of them came and now they don't come anymore. We, this has got to be authentic. This is not a how to talk people into God. It's how to love people and be an influence. We'll see where it lands. All right, let me give you some implications and then we're done. All right, because this, is, this, this little formula I've given you is... I hope you're getting a sense of it's, 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 the ramifications are huge at lots of different levels. So here's one I want you to catch tonight, and you've probably heard it. Influence will require inconvenience. If you ask God to help you to be an influence, he will say, are you ready? Are you ready to be uncomfortable? Are you ready to be inconvenienced? Are you ready to take a step out of your comfort zone then? Because you're going to have to, right? Here's another implication. I need to choose who gets my time because they will influence me. And the younger I am in my faith or the younger I am chronologically, the more true this is. This is why Proverbs is so full of, of warnings. Around here, we've said we've taken up, I, and I looked it up, but it was an anonymous quote, so I don't know who said it first, but it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future because your friends will create your future. You will become, you will influence each other. So you have to be kind of careful. Proverbs says, walk with the wise, become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Right? This is the influence. It's the same, same thing. So I need to choose who gets my time because they're going to influence me. I'd be very careful when I'm with people who can influence me in a negative way to, to have boundaries, wisdom, guard my integrity. Right? Next implication. 
we're turning it upside down a little bit. God's influence in my life is a function of how well I know he loves me, how much I respect him. He's completely worthy of it, but I don't always give him the, the, the value of it. And how much I expose myself to him and his ways and his people. So if you want to be influenced by God, you want to become a godly person, then learn about his love for you. Think about that. Read verses about it. Read what Scripture says. It's this giant, I love you from God. I'm never giving up. I'm never abandoning you book. Actually, a series of books, a library. You know where the Bible says, fear God? I don't think it means, I mean, it could mean fear God, shake knees. That's probably he's really, really big and really, really strong. But it doesn't mean be afraid because he doesn't love you. Because he does. I think it means respect him. He's worthy of it. His ways are true and pure. We sing songs about this kind of stuff. And then change your life so that you're absorbing as much as you can spiritually to know about God, learn about God, live with God, build a relationship with God that's real and authentic. Love, respect, exposure, it will determine how we listen and how we follow our Heavenly Father and, and how we become like Him. All right, so you get to apply what you want to. Let's pray. God, I, um, I can only pray for me. I've got one short life. And I want to make the biggest dent. I want to be the biggest influence. I want to reach the people you want me to reach. I want to become the person you want me to become. I don't want to miss out on being part of this, this mission you've invited me to. And yet I hate being inconvenienced. I love my, I love my comfort zone. Would you help me step out? Would you help me at the right times to reach out and to give away my life and to carry my cross. And God, would you help me to um, understand more and more and more about your deep love for me? Would you help me, would you reveal a little bit more of yourself so I, I, I get in awe of you? And my respect, God, help it to go up. And God, would you help me to give you my, my time? Thank you for your love. In Christ's name, amen.